and welcome to Detroit Today on 1019 WDET. I'm Stephen Henderson, your host. And as always, I'm really glad that you've decided to join us. So we tell stories to identify ourselves, to relate to other people, and to interact with the world around us. Stories matter. They matter so much. And it's why I do this job. It's why I find this job so important. It's also why it does great damage when stories are not told authentically, when they are not allowed to be shaped and crafted by the people at the center of the narrative. This is something that happens all the time to African Americans. We have often been captured and made into caricature by people who don't really know much about our lives, who don't really care to know the intimacy and richness that exists within and between us in our community. A new series on PBS, though, tries to highlight stories of African Americans in a way that goes beyond a lens that distorts or mischaracterizes. Making Black America, which is hosted by history professor Henry Louis Gates Jr., demonstrates the vast social networks and organizations that are created by and for black people all throughout American history. And as part of the Making Black America series, each local public television affiliate station has the opportunity to focus on some local topic that ties into the theme of the series. Detroit Public Television and WDET have teamed up to host a town hall on the history and future of black fraternities and sororities and their connection to Detroit as part of this Making Black America series. Mark Lee will be moderating a series of conversations with local members of the nine fraternities and sororities that make up black Greek life uh, in America. And he's here with us now to discuss what kinds of stories are going to be shared at this event and what the Making Black America series is all about. Mark, welcome to Detroit Today. Stephen, thank you very much for having me. It's a pleasure to be here. So before we start specifically talking about black fraternities and sororities and HBCUs, I want to talk about Making Black America. It focuses on the importance of black institutions and organizations, and it's trying to show people how black organizations serve and have served black people. It's such a wonderful framing for, I think, this time when all of a sudden it's much more important to let people tell their own stories, to have platforms for those stories, and to interact around the telling of those stories. I couldn't agree more. I think that, you know, black people have had a tremendous role in the history of this country, and as a people have had to overcome certain challenges. And one of the concerns that I have personally is whether or not you hit the nail on the head, are these stories being portrayed accurately? Are we getting an unfiltered view of these stories? And it's important that, you know, people share these perspectives in a way that other people can learn from these stories. So, for example, even locally here in the city of Detroit, there's a lot of discussion, for example, about Black Bottom mm-hmm. and the history of Black Bottom in Detroit. But not many people know the history of Black Bottom. So I think this series is very important to share a perspective for other people to understand the trials and tribulations and the successes that African Americans have had over the years. Yeah. And and the idea of focusing on HBCUs, on fraternities and sororities, I think 
really highlights an important pillar in the African-American community, especially here in Southeast Michigan. Talk just a little about uh, uh, the plans to, to host these town halls. You know, thank you. And the town hall is very important because we want people to understand the historical context of, of black Greek organizations. Not many people know they date back to the early 1900s when many African-American students were not admitted to Greek organizations while they were at predominantly white institutions. So basically they were they were isolated on campus. So just think about that. You're on campus. You can't really study with anybody. You can't really socialize with anybody. So what happens is a, a group of African-American students male and female, fraternities for male, sororities for female, came together and established their own organizations to help them to socialize to socialize into the college life, to understand the educational system. So they basically became a support system. And not many people know that historical context of the black fraternities and sororities. So the town hall really is going to begin to focus on that history, focus on the relevancy, the importance of black fraternity and sorority life in our country's history. And then we're going to kind of take that journey and talk about um, that journey of the history, talk about why they're still relevant today, what are some of the issues that are confronting the black community that the fraternities and sororities are dealing with. And then looking forward, how do you maintain relevancy of these organizations looking ahead by connecting with the younger generation? Because there's just still a gap between the more mature attorney or sorority person versus a younger person who may have a different perspective. Yeah, yeah. So I want to share a little clip of Henry Louis Gates in the trailer to the Making Black America series. Throughout our history, black Americans have, with great ingenuity and imagination, created a world with its own values and rules. A world defined by unfettered racial self-expression. A world behind what W.E.B. Du Bois called the veil. So let's talk about how this series kind of comes together. Uh, of course, Skiff Gates is, is someone who has focused for a really long time on black storytelling and, mm-hmm. and the spaces in which we can do that, creating spaces for us to do this. But how does this series give viewers that look beyond the veil and what kind of spaces is it showing us? You know, I think this series is going to pull back that veil, quite frankly. We've been hearing a lot of discussion about um, is, is the true American story being told? And I think what his perspective, his objective is, is to pull back that veil. I like to always like to say, take the wallpaper off the walls. <laughs> and, and let's look at the blank wall, quite frankly, and let's look at how that wall was built in terms of paintings and putting the wallpaper back on. So I think the series evolves that way. I know that uh, beginning October the 8th, he's going to be focusing on a series of topics that are important, social issues, educational issues, that are important within the black community. And I think what we're going to do with this series, focusing on the black fraternities and sororities, is to kick it off from a Detroit perspective. These fraternities and sororities, Stephen, have played a major role in Detroit's history. Uh, we have the fraternal houses down in Midtown uh, that are historical. They have historical landmarks. Not many people know that. Not many people know that Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. was a member of Alpha Phi Alpha Fraternity Incorporated. Not many many people know that the other members of the sorority, uh, Kamala Harris, currently the vice president, is a member of Alpha Kappa Alpha Sorority. So let's understand in the context that these nine organizations have produced legendary people who who have made an impact in this city 
as well as the country. And I think that's part of bringing back that veil so that people can see beyond the obvious. Yeah. So um, also there is this uh, there's this history that all of us have as individuals with black fraternities and sororities, yeah. right? Uh, my mom is an AKA. Uh, my uncle was an alpha. Uh, the, 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 this is part of black life in a way that yeah. I think a lot of people outside of our community don't necessarily understand. It's 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 different from uh, from predominantly white fraternity and sorority life in, in in the way that it permeates so much of our lives outside of college or even outside of uh, you know actual actual membership in a fraternity or a sorority. Absolutely, and in full transparency, I want to say I have been a member of Alpha Phi Alpha. Since 1979, my mom is a <laughs> member of Delta Sigma Theta Sorority. My dad, to your point, uh, he was a member of Vegas Psi Phi fraternity. So uh, my aunt was a member of AKA. So in my family alone, right there, you see four different organizations mm-hmm. being represented. And I think the fundamental difference is, is you know, no, I think a lot of the white fraternities and sororities, they certainly have a role. And, and they focus on certain things within the overall community. The difference is with the black fraternity organizations, they have a vital, they play a vital impact on this thing called community service. You will find fraternities and sororities getting out into the community, becoming engaged with the kids, raising dollars to give back into the community. They have focused a lot on education. We know that we have illiteracy challenges here in Detroit, depending on the numbers you believe, 47% illiteracy rate in the city. And, and so, a lot of these organizations are giving back and focusing on illiteracy and on education. Another key area is health, health and education, uh, health and wellness, I should say, health and wellness. We know that we have higher challenges when it comes to high blood pressure and diabetes and things like that. So these paternity facilities are focusing on those types of issues in economic development, helping people to launch a business, understanding the parameters of, of launching and starting and growing a business. And there are many more things these organizations are involved in. Unfortunately, a lot of people in the general community will think of these organizations as throwing parties or being mm-hmm. social organizations. That's not the case at all. They are much more than throwing uh, parties and being social organizations. They have much more community-driven organizations yeah. that support the initiatives of the city and the state of the country. I'm talking with Mark Lee. He's the founder and CEO of The Lee Group, which is a local marketing firm, and he's going to be moderating a panel discussion at Wayne State University about HBCUs and the importance of black fraternities and sororities in American life. It is part of a PBS series uh, called Making Black America, which is hosted by Harvard uh, history professor Henry Louis Gates Jr. Um, we're talking about that role that HBCUs and black fraternities and sororities play uh, in black life. Also, uh, about the storytelling uh, that's important uh, from the black community right now in terms of telling our own stories, being able to own the platforms and the distribution and, of course, the shaping of the narrative uh, of those stories. Uh, we want to hear from you during the conversation as well. Are you now or were you part of a black fraternity or sorority? What was that experience like for you? What did it do for your life and your career? How did it shape you into who you are today? Uh, also, uh, give us a call and tell us about the importance of storytelling, storytelling in your own life, in your own community, and being able 
to tell those stories yourself as opposed to relying on somebody else to get it right. As always, the number here on the phones is 313-577-1019. That's 313-577-1019. You can also go to Twitter and hashtag Detroit Today and we can work you into the conversation that way. Uh, Mark, uh, Detroit historian Jamon Jordan is going to provide mm-hmm. background and history on some of the city's landmark black fraternity houses, which is another thing that I'm not sure lots of people know about. There are some really important spaces all around town, some of them still here. Uh, talk about uh, what some of them are and why they're so important to Detroiters. Absolutely. I'd be more than happy to tell you. Again, as we talked about, and the educational experience, how the fraternities and sororities started from the point of isolation, the houses are another part of that. It's a, it's a, it's a gathering place where people, think of it this way, you're going home. You have cousins, you have family members, and these fraternity houses in Detroit are a way of going home. So, for example, Kappa Alpha Psi, Omega Psi Phi, Alpha Phi Alpha, they have houses. These are all historical houses. They're in mid-down Detroit not too far from our, our beloved uh, public library. I think they're on Ferry Street down there, and I've gone down there. And what they, what they represent is the opportunity of people coming together on a Friday evening to socialize. There's an opportunity to come together and provide educational opportunities for our young people. So it's a place where you can go home and be yourself. And these houses, Stephen, they date back 100 years, 100 years. Mm-hmm. So they have grown to see of Detroit, they've gone through changes like the, the city of Detroit, but these houses are now part of, they have historical designation from the state of Michigan, and they are some of the most beautiful, ornate buildings and houses that you will ever see in Detroit's midtown area. Yeah, yeah. Um, so we should also talk about the presence of HBCUs uh, and, and the fact that we're getting uh, not a new HBCU because uh, it, it existed before, but there's an HBCU coming back to the city of Detroit, and that's actually a really exciting development. Uh, talk about the Lewis College of Business. Yeah, that's, that's going to be incredible. It's really, you know, for native Detroiters like me and you, we've heard of the old Lewis College of Business. It's being repurposed, and it's really, I think it's being engaged with a major uh, uh, sneaker manufacturer, and they're going to be focused on de- providing design opportunities for our young people. And it's a great opportunity for them to continue to learn. So in other words, if they have an opportunity, they want to learn about designing clothes, designing shoes, and uh, the creative arts, if you will. So it's being repurposed to bring the arts to the young people through education. The young people can now go to that Lewis College of Business, for lack of a better phrase, and, and really learn the design components if they want to focus on that as they think about their career moving forward. Again, this is another part of the story that needs to be shared, the narrative that focuses on the positive, the positive of these organizations and these institutions making a difference, not only in the more mature person's lives, but also our young people's lives as well. So I think I applaud what's happening. It's phenomenal. I'm excited about its impact it's going to have on the city of Detroit. Yeah, yeah. Uh, okay, Mark Lee, uh uh, president and CEO of the Lee Group. Uh, it was really great to have you here to talk about uh, these town halls. Talk about how people can participate in these town halls. Yes, briefly, I want to make sure I acknowledge all nine uh, fraternities and sororities. So the Alpha Phi Alpha, Alpha Kappa Alpha Sorority, Kappa Alpha Psi Fraternity, Omega Psi Phi, Delta Sigma Theta, Phi Beta Sigma, Zeta Phi Beta, 
Sigma Gamma Rho, Iota Phi Theta. And the town hall is going to be held this Tuesday, September 27th at 7 o'clock in the Community Arts Auditorium on the campus of Wayne State University. Uh, people can register in advance. It's free. At 7 o'clock, it's free. And they can go to Eventbrite and register on the website there at Eventbrite. They can type it in. And uh, we look forward to having as many people as possible. And we want to make sure they are engaged. And I also want to say that clips of this interview will be featured on your show, American Black Journal, mm-hmm. in the upcoming weeks as well. Yeah, and that's on, that's on Detroit Public Television. Uh, you can also watch the Making Black America series by uh, Henry Louis Gates every Tuesday in October at, uh, at 8 p.m., uh, beginning on October 4th on Detroit Public Television. All right, Mark Lee, always great to talk with you. Thanks for being here with us on Detroit Today. Thank you very much. I appreciate it. Okay, we are going to go back to raising just a little money. We want 30 gifts this hour during Detroit Today. 30 gifts. That's not that many if you think of how many of you are out there sitting, listening. Pick up the phone. Give us a call, 800-959-9338, and help support this show that you get so much out of and that I love doing every day. All right, and after we come back, we're going to talk about uh, – we're going to continue talking about Detroit, but we're going to – pivot a little slow a bit to talk about a new nonprofit that is promoting equity in corporations here in the city of Detroit. We'll be right back with more Detroit Today. Today on 1019 WDET. I'm Stephen Henderson, and as always, thanks for tuning in. Think back to two years ago at the height of the pandemic and at the height of the movement forming around the killing of George Floyd in Minnesota and the protests that were taking place all over the country calling for a new level, a new form of racial justice in this country. There were a lot of corporations that responded to those protests and that moment by saying that they would work harder to create equitable workspaces, that they would work on hiring more African-Americans and people of color, that they would create work environments that were more accommodating of diversity lean into the idea of diversity. But two years later, how are those corporations doing? What kinds of things are they actually working on to create equitable spaces in the workplace? And are they really focused on this in the way that they suggested they would be two years ago? It's a question that a lot of folks are starting to ask as we get into the period of time when there has been enough time to actually see some change in this way. We should be able to notice how corporations are acting differently or how people who work for these corporations feel differently about how their bosses respect and lean into the idea of diversity. 
Bishop Edgar Van here in Detroit is someone who wants to hold business leaders' feet to the fire. He's the senior pastor of Second Ebenezer Church, and he is launching a nonprofit to address equity issues in corporations and businesses that operate here in Detroit. His goal is to increase the number of Detroiters in the workforce and get them in the pipeline to become leaders in these businesses. To kick this off, he is co-hosting a symposium event at Wayne State University to discuss all of these things. He's here with us now to talk about his new organization and this symposium. Bishop Van, it's great to have you here with us on Detroit Today. Morning, Stephen. Always a pleasure. Yes, great to have you here. So uh, uh, let's go back to the summer of 2020 and all of those things that corporations said in response to the protests that were really starting to demand, not ask, demand some change. Uh, What were the things that corporations said they would do? What did they pledge to be uh, in the future? There were some very dramatic uh, pledges made on that day, if you can recall. There were about nine or ten corporation uh, CEOs who stood with the mayor um, in the um, city hall chambers uh, to declare that they would be making some uh, very uh, dramatic and and, uh, uh, far-reaching uh, reforms in terms of uh, many of their business practices, uh, that they would also invest uh, money into um, communities in Detroit and impoverished communities throughout Southeast Michigan, and um, and and it was received very well, of course, uh, especially at that very tense time. And um, now uh, there is that opportunity for us to really take a look, as you say, and lean in on what kind of progress has been made. Here's what, uh, generally speaking, I have seen. Mm -hmm. About 20% of the corporations get it. You know, they have made strides. Uh, They have sought to keep up with their commitments, uh, have not necessarily finished them but uh, are hard at work and making great progress. There's 20% of corporations in corporate Detroit who want to get it. Mm -hmm. Uh, They are not necessarily doing everything they could, but uh, uh, need the sort of assistance and guidance that's necessary to get them there. And then there's the rest of the corporations who we're not really clear on exactly what they're doing or whether or not this is uh, fallen off their priority list. And so Detroit Equity, Inc. Uh, was founded, I founded it five years ago, as a matter of fact, mm-hmm. and then uh, collaborated with attorney Bertrand Marks, uh, who helped to co-found it by codifying uh, our infrastructure from a legal standpoint. And uh, we've been working uh, very diligently in this space, even prior to, the George Floyd incident. Uh, But uh, there's an opportunity now, I believe, for there not only to be accountability, but uh, to be progress that we can actually see. And that's what this symposium is all about. Yeah, yeah. So uh, I want to take a step back just a little bit and have you talk about 
what equity is and what it should look like in a workplace. Because I think there are a lot of people who throw those words around a lot without being very specific about what that what that means. Um, so, so talk about what you think of when you hear those words or, or use them, and then talk sure. about how far we are from from that ideal. Yeah, the 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 simple definition that I often use that uh, uh, gets people to really think about it is is that diversity is um, a seat at the table. Inclusion is a voice at the table. Hmm. But equity is really the stake at the table. It is really what derives, what comes from uh, that table as we uh, continue to move forward. Um, For example, uh, here in in Detroit, Detroit is a 79% uh, African-American city. Mm -hmm. And... um, uh, Wright Lassiter has now left uh, Henry Ford Health to move on uh, to uh, a greater opportunity in Chicago. Do we actually have a African American of a major C- as a major CEO uh, in a major corporation left here in Detroit? Mm. Um, so. When we look at where we are, we have a long, long way to go in terms of that equitable stake that ought to come from the table. Look at boards of directors. Mm -hmm. Let's look at supply chain. Let's look at procurement. Uh, Let's tie uh, procurement goals uh, and supply chain goals for minorities uh, to compensation so that there is uh, an accountability and a leverage toward those goals actually being met. There are a number of ways in which we can do it. We have and will be uh, revealing or unveiling, I should say, at this symposium on Tuesday, uh, a report that we've been working on on uh, equity in corporate Detroit uh, that uh, was uh, generously funded by the Kresge Foundation, and uh, we're appreciative to them for their support uh, so that we can actually take a a deeper dive into these areas and to see where we really are, but not only to talk about the what, but Detroit Equity, Inc. wants to talk about the how. We're also providing uh, services uh, and consulting to corporations uh, that are open for us to come in and uh, to advise them toward their goals. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I'm talking with Bishop Edgar Van. He is the senior pastor at Second Ebenezer Church here in Detroit. He is also the head of a nonprofit called De- Detroit Equity Inc., which is aiming to address equity in corporations that operate here in the city of Detroit. Go back a few years uh, to the height of the protests after George Floyd's murder by police in Minneapolis and recall that corporations here in Detroit stood up and said, hey, we get it. Uh, We are going to do things differently. We are going to approach the whole question of equity and fairness differently than we have in the past. One of the things that Bishop Fan has taken a look at is 
what have they done in the last two years? How far are we along that road? Uh, we want to hear from you during the conversation as well. Uh, do you remember those pledges that uh, those corporations made two years ago? What do you think of the progress that you see here around town uh, toward making some of those goals? Uh, talk about your own experience uh, working in Detroit, uh, working maybe in a business that was one of the ones that stood up and said they wanted to do better. Uh, have you noticed uh, much change since that happened? Uh, also, what do you think it means to actually have an equitable workspace? How would you define that? What would you say are the things that have to be in place uh, in order for you to describe someplace that way? As always, the number here on the phones is 313-577-1019. That's 313-577-1019. You can also go to Twitter and hashtag Detroit Today, uh, and we can work you into the conversation that way, we uh, Bishop Van. I, I want to talk about the, the the companies that, as you say, have not yet begun this work. What do you imagine is the hurdle? Is it that they have lost interest in this? Is it that there is not enough outside push? I guess for them to have to do it. Uh, what what's going on uh, to 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 make to make this more difficult than I guess that it should have been. Uh, all of the above. Uh, number one, we live in a 24-hour news cycle, mm -hmm. as you know, uh, where uh, issues, even of significance, uh, sort of fall off the table as new things take place, whether it's Ukraine or whether it's climate change or whether it's, uh, you know, Queen Elizabeth or, or whatever it is that uh, begins to take up the oxygen uh, of the media at a given moment. The other thing is, is that, again, even in corporations where the senior management gets it, where the senior management uh, has made commitments and pledges and are really serious about it, uh, the work, the implementation work, is often taken down to middle-level management. Mm -hmm. And often these implementers are often where sometimes uh, the choking and the logjam takes place uh, in corporations and oftentimes, especially in supply chain, for example. Um, you know, there are perennial suppliers that have been used uh, through the years and creative strategies have to be used uh, to include companies of color. Uh, in terms of board of directors, in terms of um, C-suite uh, 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 positions and opportunities, um, there has to be a pipeline uh, in corporations that's actually created intentionally, with mm -hmm. intention, so that uh, these goals can uh, actually be reached. And so, um, and then, as you say, there's also this uh, sort of thing of we responded to the crisis, mm -hmm. and now the crisis, we believe, is a bit eased. As you <laughs> know, at that time, uh, cities were burning across America, yep. and they were not uh, the usual suspect-type cities. There were cities like Portland. There were cities, you know, that, that were cities that are not normally uh, hotbeds of, of um, 
of unrest mm-hmm. uh, that were burning as well. And uh, nobody wanted Detroit to burn. Uh, we have uh, a, a good police community relations here in Detroit, unlike some other cities, etc. And, um, you know, thankfully, we did not experience that, though we had some very vigorous protests. Well, uh, this was a crisis time. It was a time for uh, somebody to step up, somebody to say something so that the lid would not come off. Well, uh, once that sort of um, emergency yeah. uh, level response is uh, uh, relieved, then there are those who uh, maybe felt, hey, we can maybe go back to, there's not a sense of urgency. Yeah that yeah. we need to apply to this. Yeah. I also feel like we can't talk about this without putting it in the context of all of the change that's happening in the city right now from a corporate perspective. I mean, we've got a lot yes. of activity in Detroit that we didn't have five or ten years ago. There are, there are buildings uh, being erected. Yes. There are companies that are still moving in. This is the time that we've got to get this right or – African-Americans are going to be really left behind and left out of what is turning out to be, uh, you know, this this really pivotal step forward in in economic growth and and opportunity in Detroit. Absolutely. Uh, As you know, uh, we're seeing cranes everywhere uh, in the city of Detroit. There are plans everywhere. There are things that are being built uh, everywhere. Uh, There's growth. And we've been waiting on growth, and Detroiters have been waiting on growth for a long time. The question is, uh, will they have the opportunity to participate in the prosperity of the city? And um, um, as you know, I mean, I'm sure that uh, we we know about the statistics of how many Detroiters actually work outside of the city uh, and how many Detroiters actually work in the city. Mm -hmm. The last I saw, I think it was 33%. Of Detroiters actually working inside of the city, most of them working outside of the city. So that means that there are others who are not of the city who are literally working in the city uh, and sharing in that prosperity. We want to take a good hard look and um, uh, uh, at this from a factual basis and uh, from from a basis of proactivity. We want to be proactive with this. I want to work with corporations. I'm, I've, I've had a long, long history in this city of uh, uh, working at this level. Uh, uh, I'm a part of the corporate community myself, a board member mm-hmm. of Downtown Detroit Partnership, Henry Ford Health, et cetera. And I have a, I have a vested interest uh, sitting there to make sure that corporations are moving uh, expeditiously toward these goals. Yeah, yeah. Okay, uh, Bishop Edgar Van, senior pastor of Second Ebenezer. Always great to talk to you. And a reminder that uh, the event uh, hosted by uh, Bishop Van and Wayne State University's 
uh, Damon J. Keith School of Civil Rights. Uh, we'll bring Detroit business and civic leaders together to talk about equity and inclusion. It is September 27th at Wayne State University Student Center from 8.30 to 11 a.m. There will be a keynote address from Lieutenant Governor Garland Gilchrist. Uh, we'll put the information about that event on our website. But uh, Bishop Van, always great to have you here to talk on Detroit today. Thanks for coming by. Thank you. Thank you so much. And the registration is free. Yes, that's and right. We it's free. want uh, uh, people to come. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. Okay. Uh, that is going to do it for us today. Come back on Monday when we're going to talk with writer Joyce Carol Oates about her new book, Babysitter, and why she decided to write about Detroit and its suburbs. That is where this novel is set. Uh, she does this a lot of years after she herself lived here. That is going to do it for us this week. Uh, We're wrapping up our fall fundraiser, and I would be remiss if I didn't uh, say that uh, it is such a privilege to host this show, to have these conversations with you, our listeners, every weekday here on Detroit Today. And we are creating an incredible community. It's not just uh, a conversation. It really is a relationship back and forth between me and you, the listeners, and our guests. We got to support that. It is worth your support to 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 absolutely canonize uh, this space that we are creating to to support it and buttress it and help grow it. We do that with your contributions. Your contributions to WDET are what make all of this possible. So again, thank you for the space that you are helping me to create and thank you in advance for your gift to help support it. We'll talk again on Monday.